Hey guys, this is Michael, and as you know, the Beers and Bible podcast has recently become a part of the RFP network, and we are so thankful and honored to be joining with those guys and uh, doing uh, doing things alongside them. Um, we want to let you know that there is a huge announcement coming from the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast on Black Friday, on the episode that will release on Black Friday of 2021. Um, so check it out on the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast then, and we will be sharing more about that as details come or get finalized. So now time for our episode, I guess. Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at beersandbible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at beersandbibleP1. You can also email us at beersandbiblepodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 103 of the Beers and Bible podcast. I am Anthony. And I am Michael. And we are both exhaustedly tired, so we're not real sure what's going to come out tonight. So, <laughs> well, I know I'm tired. I'm tired, but I think most of it is just the exhaustion from uh, watching six World Series games that, over the course yes. of the last. Go Braves! Go Braves! Go Braves! Chop! 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 That's um, right. We'll probably get a letter from Major League Baseball because we discussed something that happened. You know? Oh yeah, every, we did. Every game has like a. You have to have the express written consent of Major League Baseball to think about baseball, you know? <laughs> so we'll probably get a letter or something. So that's no. okay. I don't mind. But hey, go Braves. That's right. Won it in six, won it in Houston, which was awesome. Yep. I, so my, here's, I don't know. I don't know if I think I've told you this. I don't know if I've said on the podcast. I've I, like in the postseason, I started watching games on TV mm-hmm. because we got YouTube TV at my house. Yeah. And my wife was like, why are you watching baseball? And I was like, because I like baseball. I grew up watching baseball. And she's like, but you've never watched baseball. I'm like, we haven't had cable in 12 years. Baseball only comes on TBS. <laughs> like the three games that come on Fox are the the final three games of the World Series, and that's it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so this year it was a big deal because the Braves uh, were only on like Bally Sports, which is what like Fox Sports South used to be, is now yeah. Bally. Um, and after about three or four weeks of the season, me and my wife were talking about it and we were like, you know what? Let's just, let's just get whatever it takes to, for us to be able to watch baseball. Cause we enjoyed watching. We enjoy watching. Mm-hmm. I, I probably watched a hundred more. Oh, I easily watched over a hundred games this year. Nice. So I plan on watching more now that I have cable again. So I don't really know. What I, like to, I don't really know what to do now because baseball is over, but I'm glad that it's over in my favor or in the Braves favor. So, That's right. Uh, we still have uh, some weeks of football left, though. There's so there's football. That. Uh, this this weekend will be the final weekend of the NASCAR season, which Anthony doesn't care about, but I yeah. care. I care deeply about. Um, <laughs> Who's gonna win? 
gosh, I don't know, man. It could be. It could, I hope it's two of the guy, one of two of the guys, but there's four guys that are that could win it. Oh, um, okay. I hope it's the local guy. I hope I hope Chase brings it brings it home again, back oh, to okay. back, nice. back to back champs. So, um, hopefully, we're talking about that next week and not one of the guys <laughs> I don't like winning it. So, <laughs> Anthony, other than being tired, how's your week, man? We oh. hey, that, I think that's the most sports we've ever talked about on this po- on that's, this. On the yeah, I think it is too. And Michael and I both love sports for the record. Yeah, we, we do. You I, know. Have, I can see without moving my without turning my body, I can see one, two, three, four, five sports things. Yes, at my desk. So <laughs> six, seven. Just more than that. And then Anthony yes. can see some behind me. So heck yeah, we like sports. We do like sports. Um, we also like beer. We also like other things. I'll tell you what, man. I'm tired for a different reason other than baseball this week. It has. I feel like I've been up every single night this week. Last night, um, my wife and I got to see Bruce Hornsby uh, live on, by himself playing the piano. Um, this will be the third time I've seen Bruce Hornsby. I've seen him play with his bluegrass band, Kentucky Thunder, mm-hmm. which was amazing. Um, and then I got to see him play with his live band, The Noisemakers. Again, amazing. Um, last night it was just him. And at one point, my wife leans over to me and she's like, how much does he practice to do this stuff? Because he probably, off the top of his head, I would guess he made up half of that concert off the top of his head. Because he would get in the middle of a song and he'd just start going off and just playing all this improv stuff. Yeah. and. And it uh, it was unbelievable just to sit there because I'm a pianist. Like, I grew up playing the piano. Um, and to, just to see him just sit down and play for two hours, sing songs that he's written, and and just do it. I mean, it was unbelievable just to sit there and watch that last night. So I really enjoyed that. But it also kept me out one more night late this week, so I yeah. was really tired this morning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mentioned last week that we had a Fields of Faith event, and then we had another one last night, so I did that. Um, we were, me and my wife were going to go to a concert tomorrow, but one of the people traveling with the group got COVID, so Boo. they had to cancel the show. Fortunately, we'll get our money back at some point, so. Yeah. Um. That's sad, though, because, I mean, concerts are fun. Yeah. We hadn't been to a concert in five years, probably. Oh, we're wow. Not, we're not big concert-going people, but when there's a somebody we really want to go see, we try to make mm-hmm. an effort to go see them. Yeah. Um, I'm not a stadium concert guy. Like I don't like going to stadiums. Yeah, this place I, mean, I feel this, like it's too big. This one was going to be at the basketball arena in Atlanta. Okay, it's where I saw Garth Brooks in 2014. So it was it Ooh. was a decent place for a show. Yeah, I do want to see Garth Brooks. He's so good. So great, well, man. Yes, Entertainer <laughs> of the Year. How many times? I don't know, like a hundred times, something like that. <laughs> He's just going to perpetually win it forever. So, yep. um, so Michael, what beer do you have to drink? For us tonight. So tonight, I'm giving the Edmonds Oast Brewing Company another try. I had with, um, they're the ones that had the cereal for breakfast. Yeah. That I had a few. I thought it was cereal for dinner. Cereal for dinner. It is cereal for dinner. <laughs> You're the one that usually messes it up. Um, yeah, so they're the one that had the cereal for dinner uh, several weeks ago that I, what I give that, like three and a half Luthers maybe? Yeah, something like that. I had the strawberry shortcake from them. Yeah. So and I have. Good. So I have. They're okay. So Edmonds Oast. They're based in Charleston, South Carolina. I have a peanut butter and jelly brown ale, and historically, those do pretty darn good. On yeah, PB and J's are popular here on the Beers and Bubble podcast. <laughs> does that does that mean we're children? 
I mean, I, dude, I love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. It, um, I, they're severely underrated in my book. They so. are. Um, yes. So anyway, I've got the peanut butter and jelly brown ale from Edmonds Oats. Comes in with five percent on uh, ABV um, and no IBUs, according to Untapped. It's another one of those beers that I found that is not listed on the brewery's website. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean the the can is just a picture of a sandwich just a, a peanut butter jelly sandwich sliced down uh, diagonal so what could be better than that I, i'm hoping not much so but <laughs> i'm enjoying i've had this in my fridge for a couple of days and i'm like man i have got to hold off until thursday but i really want to give that a try so <laughs> really want to drink that yeah so that's what i'm drinking anthony so what do you have? i have i have tonight from the lexington brewing company lexington brewing and distilling uh, I have the Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Peppermint Porter. That's, there's um, a lot going on in that had, one. There's a lot going on. I have had the Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Ale before. In fact, it's one of my favorite draft beers. Um, if I can find it, there's a local restaurant here that has it, and I always try to get it because it's just it's a really good... They, they put the beer in um, bourbon barrels after it's brewed. And so it gives it just this just different Who taste, is this? and it's really good. It's Lexington Brewing Company, Lexington Brewing and Distilling. I and wonder so, if I've because I've had a Kentucky Bourbon. If you've had a Kentucky something. Bourbon, it's that's them. That's Lexington, because that's their that's their line of beers. It's called Kentucky Bourbon Barrel, uh, and they have ales, porters, stouts. I mean, they have a bunch vanilla. Yeah, that, I've had that. There, it is very good. So the bourbon, no. Bourbon Barrel Ale is the one I've is the one I, I like off tap. No, I've had that one. In, I've had that one in can and it's, it was pretty good. So there you go. So this is the peppermint porter, okay, version of that. And I've never had it, but I you know I saw it and I was like, ooh, that looks like fun. And it's Christmassy. And since I start celebrating Christmas on November first, then here we go. Let's do it. Hey, you know where my <laughs> Christmas tree is? In your attic. Actually. We get live trees, but if I had a fake tree, it would still be in my attic. <laughs> we get live trees too, which makes me sad because we can't. You can't buy live trees until after Thanksgiving, so as you, you know. should. <laughs> <laughs> lies, you get out of here with that lies. I mean, you've been celebrating Christmas since October first. <laughs> yeah, just about. I mean, I, I really like. I'll start playing Christmas music in July if people would let me and not laugh. I mean, I don't care if people laugh at me anyway. So that's fair. Well. I think we should crack them open and drink some beer. What do you say? Let's go, man. Here we go. I'm going to try. I don't know if this is a twist off or not. It looks like I'm, I'm not going to try because I don't want to cut my fingers open tonight. So Mine is a can, so, so no twist off. No twist off for me. <laughs> Here we go. Three, two, one, crack. Oh, it was not a twist off. Good I was call. just thinking I could have made this a twist off. I have those tools that can make a can a topless. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh my, oh, oh my. <laughs> mine smells like peanut butter and jelly. So, mine smells like an Andy's mint. And it and it looks like a Hershey's Porter. What is an Andy's mint? Dude, you don't know what Andy's mints are? No. Okay, have or you do- ever eaten at Olive Garden? Yes. You know the mints they give you when you're done? Sure. That's an Andy's mint. There's mine. Mine looks... Mine looks delicious, dude. It does. It actually, Mine? it actually looks more peanut butter. Yours looks like a Hershey's Porter. <laughs> <laughs> Mine has like a bit of a peanut butter haze to it. It's kind of cool. 
So this smell, this smells like a Hershey's Porter with peppermint in it. So Andy's mints are the basis for mint chocolate chip ice cream. Okay, I don't I don't know if that's a true fact or not, but I like to say that they are because mint chocolate chip is one of my favorite ice creams, and Andy's mints they they taste like cold. Milky Andy's Mints is what they taste Mint's like. Mint's so. chocolate chip ice cream is my second favorite ice cream. Well, then you would love Andy's Mints. I, think, might, I imagine I've had them. You if, probably have. I've been to Olive Garden a few times. So. <laughs> In your life? Yeah. <laughs> and at least once. It's not a go-to, but it is a <laughs> it is on the list. So, Yes. Well, you drink your Andy's Mint beer. I'll drink I my am. peanut butter and jelly, and we'll <laughs> reconvene here in a minute. <laughs> we'll be six over here together. <laughs> Cheers. All right. Go for it. Excuse me while I drink this whole thing. <laughs> Same. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. There is a, there, there's no question about this one right here. Um, this, this is a five Luther beer all day, every day. I... I'm gonna have to to buy more bourbon barrel Kentucky bourbon barrel beers. The texture is perfect. Um, if you like the Hershey's Porter, you're gonna love this thing. Um, it is the texture is there. It's not too thick like a like a stout would be. Mm-hmm. Which I, I think I've grown to like porters more than I have stouts as far as dark beers go. Yeah, because they're just not as heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they still have the flavor and the richness of a stout. Mm-hmm. And so. The the good porter texture is there. The flavor, the chocolate and peppermint mixed together. Oh my gosh, it's so good. <laughs> um, it's the the flavor is balanced. You get everything you're supposed to get. I don't even think I read about what mine is. I just said what it is, and then we went off. Um, they call this this is this is on the description on the website. It says warm up the season with the special release of the Kentucky Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Peppermint Porter. That is a mouthful. Uh, with just the right amount of chocolate and peppermint, this bourbon barrel aged porter is the perfect complement to a warm fire. Absolutely. I would, if I were sitting on my back porch with a fire pit right now, would probably be the one thing that makes me happier than recording a podcast episode. So, um, but it comes in at 8% ABV. Um, they use Centennial and two row pale ale hops. I don't know what that means. Uh, and they use dark Munich uh, chocolate and carpillus. Carpels, carapils, malts. I don't know what that means. Um, I know it means this is really good. That's what I know it means. This is a five Luther beer. The taste is great. The texture is great. The everything about it is right. Uh, it's exactly what they said it was going to be. So, can Lexington Brewing five Luthers all the way? Great job. <laughs> and I think what I'm learning is that breweries that do peanut butter and jelly things know what they're doing know, know what they're doing <laughs> um this is fantastic perfect balance of peanut butter and, and jelly they it's a grape jelly um mm-hmm. Ooh, that's important yeah it's very important I've are you seen, team grape or team strawberry i younger i would have been team strawberry okay as i've grown older and wiser and wiser i <laughs> I think I enjoy, I would enjoy strawberry as as a nostalgic thing, as like a one time mm-hmm. thing, but grape mm-hmm. would typically be my go to. Yes. So anyway, uh, grape, peanut butter, 
um, bready flavors there. Um, the uh, sorry, the scent. Yeah. <laughs> the scent is perfect. Like it, you can smell. You you can almost smell everything. Yeah, bread, peanut butter, and jelly. Um, <laughs> and it's really light, real. Cri- it's almost crisp. It's almost a little bit like a sour in in that in the crispness, not the flavor, but in the crispness yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, but it's really good. Um, when I smelled it as I opened it, I was like, "I there's a about a ninety eight percent chance this is gonna get <laughs> gone very quickly." Um, so, but it's delicious, and Edmonds Oast has redeemed themselves um, yes. from the um, the other one cereal that, the cereal for dinner cereal for dinner that only got like three and a half Luthers, which is still not. Actually, no, I gave it four Luthers. What am I doing? Um, I gave it four Luthers, so. What is life? <laughs> I didn't have the sheet pulled up before, so. But, look, uh, Lexington Brewing and Edmonds Oast Brewing, um, great job on, on both of those. I'm going to have to try to find this peppermint porter. Oh, my um, gosh, yes. It and, is good. <laughs> and yeah, it sounds like it, so. Um, but there you have it. We get, we're, we're we're handing out fives like <laughs> we're, we're doing out the fives tonight, yeah, like Santa at Christmas. So <laughs> that's um, right. This, I mean, it's even got a green and red can. It's like a Christmas can, dude. It's Christmas or bottle. Christmas it, it is definitely time. Christmas in my mouth right now. <laughs> this thing is good. Well, yeah, I'm gonna have to find it then. So yes. So there's our beer review for the week, and now what do we do? We are going to talk about the Bible, and we're going to do that right after this break. Anthony and I are enjoying our each of our five Luther beers. Yes, um, we are. <laughs> I meant to go get another one from downstairs because they're in my fridge downstairs, but uh, that's fine. It'll be okay. Um, so tonight, we are continuing our study in Lamentations, in the book of Lamentations. In the last two weeks, we have um, really been talking a lot about the destruction of... Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to lie, man. Last week was a little depressing. Yeah, a little bit. So uh, we've been talking about a lot of destruction, and um, tonight we're going to get into chapter three. And um, I think that it's, you know, you've talked about it a a lot, that going Mm -hmm. verse by verse, chapter by like beginning to end is very helpful to see, like, where where we've come from, where we where we are and where we're going. Mm-hmm. Um and I think doing that, especially with a book like Lamentations, is very important because you get to see the whole contrast of chapters one and two destruction. Yeah. Chapter three moves into um this idea of hope and where and that's gonna launch us into the rest of the book. Yeah. Um so let's get into it. Let's do it. So Lamentations 3, you know, let's just talk a little bit about the chapter in general before we kind of dive in verse by verse on this thing. Um, if you've if you've ever seen an inspirational painting of Lamentations, it has probably come from the verses 22 and 23. Mm-hmm. Um, 
everybody quotes it and and to be fair they're they are worthy of quoting they're worthy of putting on a painting um you know i'm not mocking those but a lot of times you see them like uh i think mark talks about he he saw one it's like this serene painting of this house on a meadow and the sun's rising over the like you see things like that and yes it's true that 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 is a picture of god's mercy and mm-hmm. his grace in our life but that is not at all where jeremiah or the writer would have been right in this situation. i mean they're you know if if we're gonna really put this in context i think i've said this before this would probably go well over a picture of like Nagasaki after the bomb was dropped. Right. It'd be like, you know, Lamentations 22, 23, and you got total and utter destruction in the background. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going in context, that's what it should be. Yeah. And so um, it's important uh, to remember, to remember your context, remember where you are, which is why I love going verse by verse through through books of the Bible, because mm-hmm. it helps us understand that we're coming from two chapters of, of destruction. We're yeah. coming from this place of desperation and ruin mm-hmm. and, um, you know, uh, annihilation, and, and they've been pushed back, you know, out into the wilderness. And yeah. so setting up that context matters. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and if, you, if you don't set up the context of what you're reading correctly, a lot of times you'll apply things incorrectly to your life. And, you know, that's where we get my favorite saying, I, I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, putting it in context is important. Mm-hmm. And and so we that helps us avoid what's called eisegesis. And, and that's, you know, pulling, isolating a context, a verse from its context, whereas yeah. exegesis is explaining the verse in its context. Yeah, the that's the Philippians 4.13, Jeremiah 29.11. Yes. <laughs> Um, all of our favorite verses all, taken out yeah. of context. We and, love them all. <laughs> and while there, while they there is truth to those verses, if you take them out of the context as far as who wrote them, yeah, to who, why they wrote them, when they wrote, if you take all of those things out of it, then you have completely like mm-hmm. missed the point of the verse. Yeah, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me has nothing to do with winning a football game or uh or helping you or pass hel- your or, test or helping that you, you pass didn't test study for or whatever yeah so um you know like the your notes that you Anthony put together the notes so I'm going to read these um but if your interpretation is not informed by context your application won't be correct and I think that's a I think that's a great mm-hmm. point and so um yeah again this lamentations 3 20 the verses 22 and 23 um. Yes, they're an image of hope, but they're an image of hope in the midst of destruction, yeah, and and chaos and and turmoil. So, um, but uh, chapter three we see a shift in perspective. Um, mm-hmm. and it's really with there's two verses that contrast um each other or mm-hmm. <clears throat> contrast each other, um, or just contrast the previous two chapters. Now there, I mean. So we're going to talk about this in a minute, but but these two verses kind of represent the two sides of the chapter. It's it's there are four parts to the chapter, but the four parts can be diluted down into two kind of main points, mm-hmm. which is desperation and salvation. Right. And so, uh, read read verse three eighteen for yeah. us. So uh, three eighteen says, "My endurance has perished, so has my hope from the Lord." 
Okay, so you have that in contrast to 358, read 358. Which is, you have taken up my cause, O Lord, you have redeemed my life. And that, so, I mean, you can you can infer just based on those, the, the desperation of verse 18 versus the uh, salvation and the trust that mm-hmm. the writer has in verse 58. Yeah, yeah. And so we're going to see this, this desperation to salvation kind of transformation twice mm-hmm. as we walk through this. Um, the, the way that we're going to break it down, we're going to go one through 18, um, which is it paints God. It almost paints God as like the enemy mm-hmm. of, of Jerusalem, Judah. Um, and so we're going to talk about those verses. And then 19 through 33 says, even when you think God is your enemy, he is still faithful to you. And, and we'll see yeah. that. And then the second half, uh, verses 34 through 54, we're going to see, uh, de- actual, like, it's like you're drowning in desperation. This this plea for something to go differently than it is, um, and then again he closes out the the chapter verses fifty five through sixty six. Um, when you are in desperation, though, again, God is still faithful. And one of the songs that I've listened to several times this week, um, as we've been as as I've been kind of making notes to myself and and all this is is the old hymn great is thy faithfulness mm-hmm. you know and 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 it's this that 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 theme of of God's unfailing great uh great faithfulness mm-hmm. e- even when we don't see a way uh and and we could point to story after story after story from the bible and i'm sure that michael and i could both point to story after story after story in our own personal lives of when we didn't really see a way but god still made a way and he was still faithful to absolutely. us absolutely and so, so yep. it's it is a it is a hopeful story coming off of uh, where we were last week and the desperation we were in last week. So, yeah, let's dive into this uh, this text here. Um, let's read uh, three verses one through eighteen. So let's kind of set up this first desperation, uh, set this up, and then let's talk about it. Let's do it. So, verse th- uh, chapter three, verse one. I'm reading from the Holman Christian Standard as usual. And here is what uh, the word says. I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of God's wrath. He has driven me away and forced me to walk in darkness instead of light. Yes, he repeatedly turns his hand against me all day long. He has worn away my flesh and skin. He has shattered my bones. He has laid siege against me, encircling me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have been dead for ages. He has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I cry out and plead for help, he rejects my prayer. He has walled in my ways with cut stones. He has made my paths crooked. He is a bear waiting in ambush, a lion in hiding. He forced me off my way and tore me to pieces. He left me desolate. He strung his bow and set me as the target for his arrow. He pierced my kidneys with his arrows. I am a laughingstock to all my people, mocked by their songs all day long. He filled me with bitterness, satiated me with wormwood. He ground my teeth on gravel and made me cower in the dust. My soul has been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. Then I thought, my future is lost as well as my hope from the Lord. So I'm I'm gonna make a quick point before we dive back into the beginning of this. Uh, read verse 17 one more time. 
My soul has been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So you're reading from the HCSB, and I'm going to read this from the CSB, which is, they're very, very similar. Um, But it says, I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. Mm. I think that's an interesting translation for all of those uh, people who would say that that the Christian life is a prosperous life. Mm. Here, Here is a writer of Scripture saying that he has forgotten what prosperity is. Yeah. So put that in your pipe, smoke it. Let's go back to the top of this one. Yeah. And and uh, and and walk through these verses. So yeah. the opening verses, um, God is he's he's gonna be painted with several different uh, metaphorical pictures here. Mm-hmm. Um beginning in verse one, he he says that he kind of lays out where he is. He's under God's wrath. And God has repeatedly turned his hand, he has laid siege to him, and he has made him dwell in darkness. That's verses 1, 3, 5, and 6. That's, these are the words that we're picking up. So mm-hmm. you can see this picture beginning to be painted, and, and a lot of times you'll see these parallels in Scripture, and that's another reason I love walking through Scripture verse by verse. These types of images parallel perfectly with what the psalmist says. You know, think of Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. You know, go back to verse two. God has repeatedly turned his hand. He has made me dwell in darkness. That reminds me of Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So you see this consistency in scripture, even though it's different writers, you see this consistency in describing the character of God. Yeah. It's almost like the writers were inspired by the same spirit to write about the same God at different times. Sorry. You, You get out of here with your plenary verbal inspiration. Sorry, my bad. So, so, so we see those. We see those in the first six verses. We we see yeah. the the um these metaphorical pictures of God, and then in verse seven and nine, it kind of shifts to where God is pictured more like a prison warden. Um, yeah. As in um, in my version, it says, "He has walled me in, so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains." And then in verse nine, "He has walled in my ways with cut stones. He has made my paths crooked." Um. This is really like an isolation thing. Yeah. This this the the writer here is talking about just being completely isolated and, and walled off from everything around him. Um, it's like being in a prison cell. Yeah. And it, it's God who's keeping him there. And, and yeah. he is saying God is the one who has brought about this isolation. Yeah. Um, even though it was really the sin of the city and yeah, but <laughs> anyway, it's. I mean, it, it was. It was. But but realistically, I mean, you got you got to remember the author is writing, kind of as a representative for the nation, mm-hmm. and so it, it's in. I, yeah, I would say that the nation probably felt cut off. They probably felt isolated from everyone. Uh, everything. Their home had been destroyed. Their. I'm sure that some people lost their families. Mm-hmm. You know, I, th- I'm 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 not naive enough to think that some people probably died in this process, and and that probably is contributing to the lament of the nation. Um, but but they do, you know, they they get out and they're in the wilderness, and I'm sure that the the wilderness is a very very isolated place. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is if you do a study on the wilderness, 
in Exodus, God calls the wilderness my place. Mm-hmm. That's his place. That's where he is. Yeah. And so when we feel like we're isolated, <clears throat> when we feel like we've been set apart and, and, and put out and, you know, God is this, this prison warden over us, that's realistically the time when God wants to do the, the biggest work in our lives. Right. And so he's going to use something to teach us. Yeah. Um, and so you have this picture of a prison warden in seven through nine, but then in 10 through 12, he shifts to more of a, of like an animal hunter or, a, you know, he even uses imagery of an actual hunter Yeah, talking about the, the drawn bow, you know, in mm-hmm. 10, he says he's a bear waiting to pounce. I've never seen a bear waiting to pounce, and to be honest with you, I never want to see yeah. a bear waiting to pounce that, that unless be, it's on that, National Geographic. That would be terrifying. <laughs> Could you imagine you know, if you came home and a bear was in your living room? <laughs> waiting to pounce on me when I came in from work? I would, I, I would close the door and be like, whatever happens, happens, bye. <laughs> Peace out. Um, but you, you have this imagery of a hunter is what you, what you have, this hunting yeah. type of, you know, there, there's something that lies in wait to to destroy you, to hurt you, to bring harm to you, um, and and uh, you know that that's not to paint a negative picture of of like hunters, but from from a lion's perspective or from a deer's perspective, you know, yeah, I mean that that is pretty terrifying for for you and your buddy to be palling around, and all of a sudden your buddy has an arrow through his eyeball because a hunter just shot him. You know that that probably is terrifying. It's a terrible movie, but did you ever see My Cousin Vinny? No, I didn't. I need to watch it. Okay, it's a pretty good movie, but there's a a pretty f- hilarious scene about hunting. Okay, it is rated I'm R, a- so f- uh, fair warning: there is language. Um, and <laughs> we're not advertising I'm for not, My Cousin Vinny. <laughs> not advertising for the film My Cousin Vinny. Um, but I mean, but it's a great. I mean, what you were just talking about is a great like relation. Anyway, I don't know. We, we may need to cut that. I don't know. <laughs> so we're we're talking about God being a hunter, or or He's being portrayed as a hunter, and then verses thirteen through eighteen to kind of turn it back one more time, and and you get a lot of this complaint from the yeah. writer. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and this is going to be the shift that takes us into the next section, but. Just, just kind of walking through some of, of 13 through 18, you know, he pierced my kidneys. You know, I, I'm not a human anatomy expert, but I'm pretty sure, like, if you get stabbed in the kidneys, you're going to die. Yeah, because bad, your kidneys are really important. Bad things happen if you don't have your kidneys. <laughs> so, I mean, again, the language is important because what he's saying is is painting a picture of, of how the writer feels, which is what Lament does. You know, yeah. we've talked about this. This this is complaint. This is asking boldly. You're you're painting a picture of how you feel. Yeah. You know, we, and, we don't want to put our importance on feelings. Yeah, but I mean not just feeling, but like this is physical pain. Yeah. Like the writer is is putting on is writing here, he pierced my kidneys with his arrows. That's not like a that's not like getting a shot or a that's not getting like getting a mosquito bite. That is being stabbed through the back in flesh yes. into your kidneys. Like like that is that that's not but then the next verse is like I am a laughing stock to all my people. Like like he he's physically it's physical pain from being having pierced mm-hmm. kidneys, but then like that's emotional pain being a, like who wants to be a laughing stock? 
Yeah. No one wants to be a laughing stock. <laughs> and I could understand verse eight, verse uh, verse fifteen, where he says, "He filled me with bitterness." I get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My kidneys have been pierced, and I'm a laughing stock. Of course, I'm going to be bitter. <laughs> I am mad right now. <laughs> yeah, and so you you know you see the complaint, you see this laid out. And then in verses 19 through 33, it's like a light switch goes on. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to read verses 19 through 33 and, and just pick up where Michael left off um, and, and listen to the word of the Lord about his faithfulness. It says, Remember my affliction and my homelessness, the wormwood and the poison. I continually remember them and have become depressed. Yet I can call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies are never end. For his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say the Lord is my portion, therefore I will put my hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. To the person who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is still young. Let him sit Alone and be silent, for God has disciplined him. Let him put his mouth in the dust, perhaps there is still hope. Let him offer his cheek to the one who would strike him. Let him be filled with disgrace. For the Lord will not reject us forever. Even if he causes suffering, he will show compassion. According to the abundance of faithful love, for he does not enjoy bringing affliction or suffering on mankind. In inside of the faithfulness, and I think this is interesting, but inside of the faithfulness, you also have this discipline. And and you know, we have to remember from chapters one and two, everything that was brought on the nation and the city of Jerusalem was brought on by their sin. Mm-hmm. And so in in sin, you're going to have discipline. Yeah. And it's important to walk through that discipline. And it's important to see that discipline and understand that discipline. And I think these verses to to me and when I read these verses, I see this as a picture of what Mark Vrogop has painted through the title of his book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. Yeah. You know, whatever you're lamenting, whatever you're going through, whether it's a, a discipline issue or whether it's a loss issue, um it's going to bring dark clouds into your life. You're going to have something negative happening. But in the midst of that, the writer says, verse, 20, uh, verse 22, because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Yeah. It's, you know, where, where the writer says, where writes because there, it's like in spite of all that has been written down in the first two chapters of Lamentations and the first mm-hmm. 18 verses because of the Lord's faithful love we do not perish for his mercies never end like yeah in spite of the destruction brought on by our <coughs> sin in despite of um God's wrath raining down on us um we do not perish yeah because the Lord's Lord is faithful He's just, but he's faithful, and his mercies yeah. never end. And he promises us that his mercies mm-hmm. never end. Yeah, I I love this quote um, from the commentary that we're using. It says, "If you give up before the sun rises, 
you might miss the light of God's mercy. Mm. You know, uh, if, if you've ever watched a sunrise, you know, um, early in the morning hours, you can still, you still have the light of the moon. You have this other stuff happening, but right before the sun starts coming up, it almost goes into this pitch black type mm-hmm. of dark. Yeah. And it's, and so, and, and, and I think that's interesting the language that they use talking about his mercies are new every morning because we don't think of morning until the sun has risen. Mm-hmm. And I'll let you imply whatever you want to imply there when I say the sun has risen. <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> but you know, you you have this this darkness, and a lot of times we think that that the darkness is bad. The darkness is not always bad. Because it, at the darkest point, is what makes the glory of the sunrise so much that you know that much more amazing. Mm-hmm. Because out of this, what seems to be complete and utter darkness, you start to see rays of light coming over the the horizon, and so it, it's for us. It's it's important to remember as Christians that. The darkness is not bad. It can be scary, and we can and we can be honest about that. But it is not necessarily bad, and it teaches us things about mm-hmm. God and about His faithfulness. That even when we seem to be at our worst or at our weakest, weakest, that God's mercies are new and they're sustaining, and He is faithful and He is strong. Yeah, it's like Paul understood this when he said. Um, in my weakness, I will boast in my weakness because he is made perfect in my weaknesses. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, but in all of this, this rejoicing that, that he goes through, he puts in this, this kind of disciplinary talk. And, and it's important to understand that discipline gives us meaning. It gives meaning to our hope. Right. Um, so let's just walk us through the next few, like 28 through 33. Walk us through those verses, and let's talk about discipline a little bit. Yeah, so I guess the main point of these five verses or so is when destruction comes in our lives and our sin has brought it on, God will discipline us like a good parent would. Mm-hmm. Like, like Anthony's a dad, I'm a dad. When When my son or his kids do something wrong or or are mean to each other or mean to somebody else like there is discipline that if we are good parents we step in and say this is where you've done wrong yeah. these are the consequences for that action and there here's a, here's your course of action on how to make it right in the same wow. way in the same way god god does step in and do that yeah yeah um and even it you know in the midst of our discipline, our earthly parents love us and will do anything for us. Like, just because you you may be going through something really dark or really terrifying, or mm-hmm. um, you may be in a season of of pain or suffering, whatever it is, God still loves you. God yeah. and God will bring you through it one way or another. Um, discipline is tough. Discipline isn't easy. Mm-hmm. Um, being disciplined isn't necessarily fun. Like being disciplined requires a, um, like an understanding that you've done something wrong and need to be corrected and instructed yeah. on how not to do it again. Um, but discipline is necessary, not just in our earthly relationships or our, you know, 
our relationship with our kids or whatever, but it's also necessary in our walk with Jesus. And yeah. we need to be we need to be always on the lookout for areas that we are not as disciplined so that we can be disciplined. Yeah. Did that make sense? Oh, that made perfect sense. I don't I don't feel like I asked that question much. <laughs> I know you're always asking, does that make sense? And I'm like, usually. <laughs> no, but like God gives us this unimaginable grace and mercy. Yeah. And, and even when we're being disciplined, even when we're if we're out of the lowest of our lows and, and God is shaping us and molding us, he's the potter, we are the clay, right? Yeah. If God is if we believe that God is full of grace and full of mercy, then we have to believe that when we're being mm. disciplined by him. It's not yeah. just when things are good and things are grand or whatever, like yeah. when you're going through stuff. The the same God that is with you on the mountaintop is the same God that is with you in the valley. I think Tarn Wells has a song about that. But. <laughs> no, but it's I mean it's a it's a beautiful description. Of, of what the gospel is, you know, um, look look to the book of Romans, mm-hmm. you know, turn to chapter three, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, that's Romans 6, 23, back up a couple of chapters, go to verse 3, 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, you know, we are, we are by nature sinful people. That's what we're made, at, you know, that's what we're born into. Mm-hmm. You know, I, the image of God is distorted in us because we live in a fallen creation. Right. And in spite of that, Romans 5 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's really the ultimate picture of, of what discipline is. Discipline is something that hurts, but it's going to teach you something. You know, I... I, I I can't help but think about lessons that my parents taught me growing up. And, you know, when I was 15 years old and I knew everything back then, you know, I, I don't I don't know if y'all knew this, but I was the smartest person alive in my own mind when I was 15 years old. And so I knew all the answers and anything my parents said was wrong. Well, now I look back at that time and I was like, wow, I was really dumb. Yeah. Like for real dumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, that's something I think all of us go through. Yeah, like, we yeah. Get, we we all get to a point where like we know everything, and, oh, and, yeah. and no one can tell us different. Like, and some people grow out of it way faster than others. Yeah. And if you don't think you're at that point, chances are you're actually at that point right now, <laughs> right? <laughs> because I mean, uh, it realistically, you you think you know something, and then you go out and put it to the test, and you get embarrassed, or you get shamed, or you know you get your whole city destroyed if you're the city of Jerusalem. Yeah. You know, I mean, that that's the epitome of sin is we think we know. We think we know better. Look at Eve. Eve thought she knew better than God. So she ate from the tree that God told her not to. That's what's so funny and, is like, <laughs> okay, hold up. So God says you can eat from literally any other tree in the garden except this one right here. Yeah. And then Eve gets convinced. Uh, not. That's not what he meant. Then Adam didn't say anything. Adam didn't say, hey, whoa, whoa, hey, whoa, hey, oh. Adam is as much at fault as Eve is. Oh, absolutely. Actually, Adam is probably more at fault because he's the leader. Anyway, um, yeah. you don't hear that much probably. So anyway. Um, Us in our patriarchy over here. I know. So, okay, but um, you said Romans 5, 8. Um, 
while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I want to touch mm-hmm. on this real quick because it, when you said it, it brought something to mind. Like, don't think you have to have it all together. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> At any point. <laughs> um, I, there's, I feel like there are so many people who are, who want to, if it's make a decision for Christ or, or serve Christ or serve the church or whatever it is, and they're worried because, oh, I don't look the part or I have mm-hmm. this the sin that I struggle with or whatever. Like, while you were a sinner, Jesus hung on a cross for you. Yes. It's it's not once you got all your stuff together and, and put on the nice suit and, and said all the words right and everything that yeah. Then Jesus died. No, it's like while we were still sinners, while we were act, while we were actively sinning. Yes, <laughs> Christ died for us. So don't think that you've got to have it all together. Like yes, Jesus changes hearts and changes changes lives, and and your heart should your will should align with His. Mm-hmm. But don't think you have to have it all together at any point. No, I know I don't have it all together. I know Anthony doesn't have it all together. No. <laughs> um, and if you have it all together, we'd love to talk to you if you think you've got yeah. it all together. We'll, so. we'll interview you on the podcast because we would love to meet somebody who has it all together. And then we I, will. I really ex- would. And then we would expose their sin for being liars. So, <laughs> all right. So, so now, so we've we've talked about the first when God is my enemy, desperation, great is great is God's faithfulness. Mm-hmm. This you know um, salvation, and then mm-hmm. he like cycles back around to desperation again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he really repeats the cycle again. And so let's pick up. Let's read verses thirty four through fifty four. I'm gonna let you take these, and okay. and you're you're gonna hear a picture of desperation, a picture of of somebody who is struggling. So let's go. Why do I get these ones? Anyway, it's fine. No, <laughs> are you saying something about me? No, it's okay. Uh, so verse thirty four, crushing all the prisoners of the land beneath one's feet denying justice to a man in the presence of the Most High, or suppressing a person's lawsuit, the Lord does not approve of these things. Who is there Who is there who speaks and it happens unless the Lord has ordained it? Do not both adversity and good come from the mouth of the Most High. Why should any living person complain, any man, because of the punishment for his sins? Uh, let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and our hands to God in heaven. We have sinned and rebelled. You have not forgiven. You have covered yourself in anger and pursued us. You have killed without compassion. You have covered yourself with a cloud so that no prayer can pass through. You have made us disgusting filth among the peoples. All our enemies open their mouths against us. We have experienced panic and pitfall, devastation and destruction. My eyes flow with streams of tears because of the destruction of my dear people. My eyes overflow unceasingly without end until the Lord looks down from heaven and sees. My eyes bring me grief because of the fate of all the women in my city. Uh, For no apparent reason, my enemies hunted me like a bird. They dropped me alive into a pit and threw stones at me. Water flooded over my head and I thought... I'm going to die. Well, that was a quick turn of events. How did he go from like <laughs> complete like? I am so confused. He went so, from the, uh, and I understand like okay, 
maybe this is what Mark Vrograb is getting at is the the idea of sight of lamenting being cyclical. Mm-hmm. But verse 30 where was it? Hang on. 33 for he does not enjoy bringing affliction and then verse 34 crushing he, all the prisoners. He doesn't enjoy bringing <laughs> affliction. And then the next 20 verses, here's a lot of affliction that God brought on his people. <laughs> it's, it, so it's, it's very... I, I am in a, a vast minority of of people who believe this, but I actually believe that chapter 3 should be two separate chapters. I think I, I realize it's one poem, and that's why it's done in, in one chapter. But... Would, I you, think that, would you have gone one to thirty three and then thirty four through the end? Yes, I would. Uh, this would this to me would have been two two completely separate um, chapters. If I were assigning, if I'm the guy who gets to assign chapter numbers to the Bible, uh, because the chapter numbers and verses are not inspired. Whoa! I just wrecked some people. Uh, then, then you know this would have been two chapters to me because you have you have this one cycle of of destruction despair and then salvation yeah and then you have the second cycle of destruction despair and then salvation yeah. and, so, and it's a lot of it's the same language like yeah um the destruction there's complaining there's a there's more hunting in yeah. in this section it's yeah. it's very similar it's like the writer wrote the first half and it was like well just in case i didn't get it or they didn't get it <laughs> Here, here's I'm, the second I'm, half. I'm gonna write more <laughs> it's like the old preacher that preaches the same sermon and then the guy comes up to him he's like preacher why do you keep preaching the same sermon? He's like, and they, he goes, "Well, you guys aren't getting it, so I'm just going to keep preaching it until you do." Yeah, <laughs> I feel I feel like that might be what happened in here, but I don't know. That's that's speculation. But you know, this section again is is another complaint section. Verses yeah. thirty four through forty five. You can you can just hear you can hear the complaint in the in the writer's pen in his voice and what he's saying. Um, you know, crushing. Crushing all the prisoners of the land. Um, one of my favorite ones is you have covered yourself in anger and pursued us. Like when I hear that, I picture like God covered in, in a sheet and like chasing people as <laughs> as a ghost at Halloween or something. My son was very interested in being a blanket ghost around the house, <laughs> but it was always the the pattern side of the blanket. So that my wife has like this blanket with pumpkins on it, uh-huh. and so like I would. I, I would play, like, throw it over myself and be like, ooh, I'm a ghost. And then my son would be like, I want to do that. So I'd throw it on him. He'd be like, I'm a ghost. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. What, that's what God's doing. <laughs> <laughs> we just broke God down to a, to a child, but, you know, whatever. Um, so, again, we see the re- repetition of desperation, and we're going to see the uh, – eventually we're going to see the, the salvation coming here too. But mm-hmm. this complaint – really turns as as an introspection. Um, you see this, uh, let me pick it up, where was it? Uh, verse 42, we have sinned and rebelled, you have not forgiven. It, it It's almost like that's that to me is one of the most pivotal verses of the chapter because it's, it's like that light bulb moment when somebody realizes that the reason they're going through what they're going through is because of their own sin, mm-hmm. their own problem, yeah, their own actions, whatever it is, and that person realizes it. You know, um, we like to read the story of Israel and be like, "Oh my gosh, if I did that, I would not do any of what Israel did." You're thinking way too highly of yourself 
if if that's your opinion. Because guess what? You would probably be worse than Israel. Right. I would be worse than Israel. Michael would be worse than Israel. The, our depravity knows no bounds. Yeah. And so don't sit back um, with your with your chronological snobbery and yeah. think that because you get to read what Israel, how terrible Israel was, that you're way better than Israel because yeah. you're not. It's no different than playing armchair quarterback on Monday morning. Oh, man. I tell you what, if, if, if football teams would just draft a few of those armchair quarterbacks, they'd probably win some Super Bowls. Well... Anyway, crickets. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So it's, just, it's. I mean, we get into this cycle, and really, like like you said, verse. Um, I'm sorry, verse 42 is this re- first introspective yeah. verse in the chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we've learned so far along the process of lament is that this introspection is vital. Yeah, and it, if it, it's part of the process, and if you're not willing to look at your own life and look at the things that have, um led you to where you, where you are now, mm-hmm. then you can't truly limit and you can't truly process what's going on around you. Yeah. Um, Introspection helps us. It keeps us away from blame shifting. Oh, yeah. You know, um, because it says, how am I the source of the problem versus why is everybody else the source of the problem? Right. Um, and in our culture today, we don't have a good introspective part of our culture everything is i've got to blame somebody else for my problems or for whatever it is yeah there's so many outside influences we see everyone's everything yeah you know at all time like we have access to every (laughs) detail of everyone's life at all times um it makes it really meta metaverse or meta unit whatever you're called (laughs) meta facebook meta 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 insta twitter (laughs) verse but i mean but but thanks to all that like there's not really an avenue aside from Jesus for us to be like, okay, what about me is causing mm-hmm. what's going on with me? Yeah. Yep. I think about the Sermon on the Mount right here um, and, and the everybody's favorite verse uh, in chapter 7 where they say, you know, take the take the plank out of your own eye, take the, the log, the telephone pole out of your own eye before mm-hmm. you remove the speck in your brother's eye. Yeah. You know, they they like to to attribute that to don't judge, but the reality of it is, until you have introspected, until you have looked at yourself, you can't rightly judge somebody else. Yeah, you, those you, verses are not about not judging; mm-hmm. they're about rightly judging. Yeah, you have no authority to point out the error in your brother or your sister. Yeah, when there's errors in your own life that you yeah. haven't addressed. Yeah, you haven't dealt with your own errors, mm-hmm. and so you have to deal with those. Introspect first, and then you'll be equipped. That's the thing is, then you'll be equipped mm-hmm. to lovingly, truthfully, in spirit and in truth, point out. Yeah, you know your brother. Say, hey man, I know this because I just walked through the same thing. I had to do this to myself. Let me help you. Let me walk with you as a brother in Christ yeah. or as a sister in Christ. Let yeah. me help you in this situation. So introspection is vital and it's a vital part of discipline. You yeah. know, we, we talked about discipline in the previous section. Um, even though it was talking about God's faithfulness, there's still the aspect of discipline and that, you know, part of discipline comes in introspection and legitimate introspection. Yeah. Um, examining yourself before scripture and saying, where do I fail? Where do I fall short? 
um, is is how we're going to continue to improve ourselves as people who are living by Scripture, in Scripture, through Scripture, in the name of Christ. Yep. So, uh, and that's really, I mean, that's really where verses uh, 46 through 54 take us. We, you know, we read that and, and they're, their situation is is desperate. They're they're in a bad spot, but once again, God is going to answer, and He's going to answer with "I am faithful." Yep. And so I'm going to pick up and read uh, in verse 55, and I'm going to read till the end of the chapter. Uh, it says, "Picking up in 55, I have called on your name, Lord." Now remember, the, verse 54. This is where we left off. Water flooded over my head, and I thought I'm going to die. Okay. Next verse. I called on your name, Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not ignore my cry for relief. You came near whenever I called you. You said, do not be afraid. You championed my cause, Lord. You redeemed my life. Lord, you saw the wrong done to me. Judge my case. You saw all their vengefulness, all their plots against me. Lord, you heard their insults and their plots against me, the slander and murmuring of my opponents. Attack me all the day long. When I sit and when they rise, look, I am mocked by their songs. You will pay them back what they deserve, Lord. According to the work of their hands, you will give them a heart filled with anguish. May your curse be on them. You will pursue them in anger and destroy them under your heavens. So, again, in one verse, he just... He turns it on, right back to salvation, mm-hmm. and and he does this in in a way that is, I mean, it's this chapter to me almost seems bipolar. I was thinking there, like, there's <laughs> almost like there's something ment- like mentally not not right with him. Yeah, because he's 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 writing, and I know like <coughs> we don't know how much time is between. For example, verse fifty-four and fifty. We don't know if he wrote verse the section before six months ago, yeah. and then came back to it and wrote. Like we don't know what the timeline is, but like as you're reading it, you're like, "What's this dude's deal? <laughs> like, why is he? He's gone from despair to faith, back to despair, back to faith. Twice mm-hmm. he's done the whole cycle twice in really a very short section of the Bible." Yeah. Like you see entire like Jonah never even fully came around, you know, and he had four whole chapters. So <laughs> Jonah was like still grudgingly go. So like this guy went back and forth. It's I'd be kind of curious to see what happened after this after Lamentations 3 to this particular whoever wrote this. Yeah. Um but it, it was Jeremiah. You think it was Jeremiah? I don't know if this fits Jeremiah. Of course it weeping it, maybe. I don't know. I don't have a strong opinion, so it does. If it's Jeremiah, I don't have a strong opinion. So, <laughs> but but it's very. I think it shows more the like you like you said the hills and the valleys mm-hmm. that are part of being a believer of Jesus. Yeah, you can be in the lowest of lows and the highest of highs, seemingly simultaneously like it kind of looks like he's going through them both at the same time and he's just writing it out whatever like however it comes out yeah um and that i mean that really is kind of what can happen you could be going through some good things and some bad things Mm -hmm. at the same time as a follower of jesus yeah 
I think it's important to emphasize the consistency that the writer continues to go back to God. Mm. He, you know, the complaint there, there's the complaint and, and maybe why this is why it is one chapter because there's the complaint and then there's the, but I trust in God, you know, Mm -hmm. talking about the, the four parts of, of lament. Um, we've got turning to God in prayer. We've got complaining. We've got asking boldly. And then we've got trusting. We did it. I, I remember, <laughs> and it wasn't on the notes this time. I'm sitting. I'm sitting here going, oh, "Is he going to do it? Is he going to do it?" <laughs> We've done it a hundred times now, so you would think we we can remember it. But you you walk through those four, and you see in this one, you see the writer go back and forth between complaint and trust, complaint and trust, and there's asking kind of in the middle of that, mm-hmm. um, in in some of that. But he really goes back and forth between these two. And again, Mark talks about it being a cyclical process. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree that it's a cyclical process because our life is not linear. It's it, We don't get progressively worse or progressively better as far as like our day-to-day activities are concerned. Right. You know, obviously the process of sanctification, we are getting progressively better onto our glorification, but God is using this process of lament to almost like roll us up, up a hill. Yeah. You know, and so yes, we're in this cycle, but this cycle is what's propelling us to our glorification, right? And and we're gonna when when our time on earth is done, whether it's you know if God calls us home before Christ returns or if we get to see the second coming, I don't know, but our process is continually going uphill. Yeah, and so it should be. A, a, a hard process rolling up a hill is hard you know if you've ever had to push something up a hill it's hard and so nothing about this nothing about scripture says it's going to be easy nothing about the book of limitation says it's going to be easy but it's a process that we all have to go through and so in that process it's a good reminder to come back and say you know what god is faithful yeah. god is good god is going to do this he's going i don't know how i don't know where i don't know why but he's going to do it and he's going to work it out and it's going to be worked out for his glory and for my good yep and and that's exactly what the writer does in all of chapter 3 in this cyclical process he does it twice and so i think mark gives us and and these are really going to come from the middle section that we talked about a, lo- a little bit ago but mark gives us four great take homes for this week yeah. uh, on chapter 3 so give us the first one. What What is the first thing that Mark gives us? So God's mercy never ends. Um, a lot of times when we're going through suffering or we're going through dark times in our life, we can begin to doubt God's faithfulness, mm-hmm. and we can begin to doubt if God is there. Um, but verses 23 and 24 of Lamentations 3 uh, reinforce that we can trust in God's faithfulness. Yeah. Um, sorry. Verse 23 says, They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say the Lord is my portion. Therefore, mm-hmm. I will put my hope in him. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure where this quote's from. It's uh, from Mark's book. Oh, Dark Clouds Deep Mercy. That's what that is. <laughs> I was trying to figure out what your acronym was. It's fine. Um, but, the, but Mark wrote, um, When God strips you of everything and all you have is him, you have enough. Yeah. Um, and... You know, we, we've said it before, our circumstances don't determine our hope or mm-hmm. our joy 
or our foundation. Mm-hmm. Our foundation and our hope and our joy is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. That's right. Yeah, and that leads into the next point, which is waiting is not a waste. Um, in our culture of everything has to be done immediately, waiting is devalued. But there is a there is a biblical concept of wait, and it's things that the people of God have to understand. Mm-hmm. That, that things don't always happen overnight. Things happen on God's time, not our time. Right. And when you practice waiting, it it builds hope in God. And it builds hope in God, but it is a hard process. Yeah. Because, you know, when you want something, then you want it right now. You want it immediately. You want to go get it. You want to do whatever you have to do to get it. But God might be saying, okay, I'm going to give you that, but not right now. Yeah. You're going to have to do this first, and then you're going to have to do that. Yeah. And so it is a hard process, but it is a great opportunity for us to see in the moment what God is teaching us. Because a lot of times, that waiting is going to teach you something that you're going to need to learn for down the road when you do get that thing. Mm-hmm. That's going to help you understand it more and more and understand the depth of God's character and his grace and his mercy that he has for you and and it just it 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 illumines our minds to what god's faithfulness actually looks like yeah so yeah waiting is not a waste yeah and god's faithfulness i mean we can trust that the final the, the next point is that the final words haven't been spoken yeah that the god's faithfulness um that the the story hasn't been finished yet yeah. Um, verse 31 says that uh, for the Lord will not reject us forever. Mm-hmm. Um, even when we're lamenting, mm-hmm. it's not a forever thing. Um, yeah. we're, we're not going to be in a season of lament for forever. And that doesn't mean that it's easy to get out of lament or it's that there's like a set amount of time that, you know, in a month you should be done or two weeks or six months, like you could be, you could lament for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, but eventually you will come out of that season of lament in like you were just talking about, be able to look back and see that God taught you something about his character, mm-hmm. about his goodness, about his faithfulness and about, he taught you something about you Yeah. in that season of lament. And so, um, the, the God who causes suffering, will also always show compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see that in the gospel. We see that in the work of Jesus Christ. Um, Jesus, in his compassion, took a took a punishment that he did not deserve so that we could have a relationship with him. Yeah. And, and if I don't, you know, God allowed that suffering of Jesus to happen. Yeah. Um, but that suffering happened so that we he could show us compassion so that we could have a relationship with him. Yeah. And the the biggest lesson that the gospel teaches us is that God is always good. Yeah. Always. Everything he does is good because he is a good and perfect God. And so we saw that the the heart of God is to not destroy. I think that was verse 32 maybe 
I can't remember exactly where it is. Um, but he says, you know, he doesn't, it's not his desire to destroy us. 33. 33 hours one off. So the heart of God is to not destroy, but it is necessary if we disobey. Mm-hmm. Our disobedience will lead to our destruction. Yeah. You know, the ultimate disobedience is not trusting Christ as your Savior. And it leads to eternal damnation is what it leads to. Yeah. And so God will do that because he is just. Right. And he will destroy because he is just. But the power of lament is an opportunity to express the sorrow while anchoring our hearts in the truth that we believe that God is always good. And and if if chapter 3 teaches you anything, that last statement right there, that is the power of lament that God is always good. So I think that's all I have to say about that. That's a good place to wrap it up. Yeah. Well, Michael, if they want to get a hold of us on social media places, where would they uh, get a hold of us? If you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at beers and Bible P1. You can find us on Facebook uh, by searching beers and Bible podcast. You can email us at beersandbiblepodcast at gmail.com. We actually had somebody email us a beer suggestion this week. Yes, we um, did. I'm gonna We're going to try to find that. I'm going to try to get it. Um, not sure how that's going to go. I'll have to do some research and see where it's at. Um, then you can also email us. Yep, I already said that. Beersandbiblepodcast.gmail.com. Um, website. 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 That's the next thing. You can visit our website, beersandbiblepodcast.com. Uh, get some B&B merch, um, hats, t-shirts, uh, stickers. I don't I don't even remember. Coffee mug, I think, is on there. <laughs> uh, so you can... It's uh, not a coffee mug. That's a rocks glass. Come on. <laughs> anyway, so you can uh, support the podcast there and represent uh, your favorite Beers and Bible podcast. There you go. So until next week, we hope that your Bible stays open and your beer stays cold. And we will see you later. Peace out.